Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Hey guys, this is Ryan Chambers, host of Starcaster Remarks, the official Dallas Stars podcast of the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm a huge hockey fan and especially of my Dallas Stars, but I also happen to be a big Cowboys fan as well. And with week one of the NFL season right around the corner, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, is giving new players an offer for the first week of the season. Bet $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. If I could bet on the whole season, I would bet for the Cowboys to be completely mediocre. Sometimes it's frustrating to be a Cowboys fan, but anyways, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years of age or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa. With over 50 years of sports betting experience, Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Grit and Barrett Podcast, a podcast devoted to the 11-time Carter Cup champion, the Hershey Bears. We talk Hershey Bears, the American Hockey League, and all the hockey news that matters to me. This is high energy, unfiltered, and at times unfocused hockey talk from a hack. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Grit and Barrett podcast, everyone, as we continue the month without hockey. Special effects added for that, just effects. 
Yeah. So it's still August, everyone. We are officially in the dog days of summer. It's August. We're just slumming along. A lot of football fans are getting excited because it's preseason NFL. Trust me, I can tell. My my Twitter account has been overloaded with fantasy football podcasts and wannabe fantasy football commissioners. I wonder if this happens with fantasy hockey. I don't know. So in this month where, I'll admit to everyone, I I, I loaded episodes in advance because I am very busy this month. And there's just not a lot of content out there. There's no juice for the squeezing out there. It's a tough time to be a hockey podcaster. I mean, sure, a couple months ago, it was easy. We had the Stanley Cup Finals. We had a draft. We had an expansion draft. The free agency hurricane came and hit. And now we got into August, and and there's there's nothing. I mean, I could try looking in the cupboard. Let's see what we've got. You hear that? Let's see. Uh, uh, let's see here. Ooh, who's the champions of the offseason? No. Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, oh, hey. Uh, key free agency signings. Hey, how about that? Uh, let's see. Let's see here. Let's see what we got right here. And this is, oh, what random Tampa Bay Lightning player has done with the Stanley Cup? I believe this is what we call in the biz as clickbait material. Don't mind me. I'm just cleaning up. Just just don't mind the noise in the background, everyone. So what I'm going to do is that I, I don't like doing clickbaity stuff. I don't like making cheap content for all of you because, yeah, it, it, it's easy. I, 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 I could come on here and whip up a 30-minute podcast of all filler of double-breaded chicken nuggets and a cheap cheeseburger. It's not healthy, but you want food? There it is. I'll turn on the fryers, throw in some throw in some unbreaded boneless wings and make you something. But, you know, it, normally I wouldn't do this, but I am going to do something a little clickbaity. Except I have reasoning for doing this. And the method to my madness is simply this. I'm thinking cool because it's going to be hot for some of you or a lot of you that are listening to this wherever you are in the world i know you listening in california i know you're out there it's going to be warm it's going to be hot sweltery humid and the way to get around that is to think cool and while we do talk about the coolest game on earth trademark nhl i'm talking about a different event and i'm sure you saw in the title here But what I'm talking about is none other than the Winter Classic, the crown jewel of the NHL calendar year. And the Winter Classic has always been great. It's always been must-see television, or at least go out and watch it on New Year's Day. I've loved how the NHL has carved out a little niche for itself on New Year's Day, a day dominated by college football. Or Sundays, it's ruled by the NFL, depending if New Year's falls on a Sunday. And while the NHL is smart enough to get out of the NFL's way, they'll typically find another place to put their game on. Whether it is on a Sunday, they can just have it on the following Monday or the previous Saturday, depending on how things shake up. Anywho, my point is this. The Winter Classic's been one of the best ideas in the NHL the past 20 years. We've done 12 of them, 
And while there has been some good ones, actually, we're coming up on the 13th, but we've done a good bit of them. And while there have been some good ones, there's been some clunkers as well. You don't want to admit it. Gary Bettman doesn't want to admit it. But there have been some bad ones. And what else do we do this time of, this time of year? Well, I'm going to rank them. I'm going to come out here, and I'm not going to do all of them. I'm not going to do all of them because there seems to be a period of really good winter classics and there is a time of not so good winter classics and there is a lot of mediocrity in between. So what I'm going to do is that I'm going to present to you the four best and four worst winter classics in my opinion. And I know, I know if I was doing an article on this, all of you would disagree and that's the fun. That's the fun of it. You're going to agree to disagree on this and that's fine. That's the whole point of this. That's all what clickbaity ranking articles are about. I should know. I wrote a few with Fansided. But before we get into this, if you enjoy uh, hockey podcasts like this, please check out the Hockey Podcast Network and check out your favorite shows. It's August, but they're still pumping out great content. Find your team on there and go check them out and go support them. Support a hockey podcaster because it's easy to do it in April. But now's the time of year in August when you really support them. So give them a like or subscribe this time of year and listen to an episode or two. Pretty please? Anywho, moving on. We start with the fourth worst winter classic. And we go to Heinz Field in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for the 2011 winter classic between the Washington Capitals and Pittsburgh Penguins. Look, this game wasn't terrible per se, but... When the entire build around this game was centered around Alexander Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby, that was your two marquee matchups for this series. And it, it, that's how it was the past couple years leading up to this. They had playoff series against each other, dueling hat tricks, stars on both sides, darn good goaltending. And yes, this was going to be the game in Pittsburgh in front of 60,000 people there at Heinz Field. It was going to be great and... Yeah, the game turned out to be a bit of a dud. It almost seemed like the hockey gods were against this game even happening. It was supposed to start at 1 o'clock, but got moved to 8 because of of, we- of weather reasons. And the Penguins, well, wore the blue jerseys of doom. If you're a Yinzer, you know these blue jerseys. Crosby got injured in them. Malkin got injured in them. A few weeks later, Jordan Stahl got injured in them. These uniforms were so coist, I tell you, coist, that they stopped wearing them in March after Jordan Stahl got injured and just wore their their black and Vegas gold the entire time. The Capitals, well, they wore their red, white, and blue stars and stripes, which were fantastic. Evgeny Malkin opened up the scoring early on a really nice breakaway after Ovechkin had been stopped by Marc-Andre Fleury. Got, to, got it to Chris Letang, flung it up the ice, in comes Malkin, scores 1-0, and it seems like it's all going to go Pittsburgh's way. Right? Right? Wrong! Mike Knubel later on in the period ties it up at 1-1 on a power play goal, and then the Capitals score, strike for two goals. Five minutes to go in the second, and then halfway through the third to seal the deal. And you know what? I'm sure it was Alex Ovechkin that did it. Two goals that he scored to slay Pittsburgh at Heinz Field and cement himself as a Pittsburgh's all-time hated rival. No. No, it wasn't him. Oh, it must be a, a, a Nikolai Backstrom. 
I'm, I'm sure he had a hand in it. Or Brooks Leitch, he was really good. Uh, no. No, 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 no. Who, who, who was it? Eric Fair. A random bottom six player scored two goals in a winter classic for the Washington Capitals to put away those dirty, filthy Inzers. Alex Ovechkin was a non-factor. Yes, he had some shots on goal, but he was a non-factor in this game. I mean, hell, I mean, yes, Malkin for the Penguins scored, but Crosby wasn't even in it. He nearly got murdered halfway through the game after an errant elbow to the face. As for Pittsburgh, did their star step up? Well, if you count Chris Letang and Marc-Andre Fleury, then yeah. But for Washington, Mike Knubel, Mike Green, Marcus Johansson, Jason Chimera, John Erskine Rugg, yeah, all their bottom six guys scored in this. And Simeon Varlamov had a hell of a game himself, 32 for 33. And while I'm making this game sound interesting, it wasn't. It really wasn't when this entire game itself is centered around Crosby and Ovechkin and both of them have goose eggs on the board. The game just fell a little flat, if you know what I mean. Fourth worst, 2011 Winter Classic. Moving on. The fourth best Winter Classic goes to the 2012 Czechs. Notes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Sorry, I messed up here. I messed up when I pulled up the uh, the listing on this. I clicked the stadium instead of the year. The 2012 Winter Classic at Citizen Bank Park between the Philadelphia Flyers and the New York Rangers. Look, I might be a filthy, dirty yinzer at heart, but boy, the Philadelphia Flyers are a lot of fun when they're in an outdoor game, as we will see later on in this list. that The game itself, much like the previous Winter Classic, did have some weather issues. The, the game had to be moved to 320 because, well, there was a lot of sun glare on the ice. Don't feel too bad this happened in 2020 as well. But the game itself, the atmosphere in downtown Philadelphia, the fans showed up. There was a real rocky vibe to it with fires Started it in, in old uh, trash barrels as the players walked out. Citizens Bank Park just caked in orange and black. Ugh, it was amazing. The Flyers and the Rangers were both pretty decent teams at the time. I mean, I mean the Rangers still had Brad Richards, Mike Rupp, Michael Dezato, Mark Stahl, Derek Stefan, Ryan, Ryan McDowell, Feta Tanko, and of course... In net was none other than the king himself, King Henrik Lundqvist, with old torts on the bench. Also with Martin Biron as as backup. And the Flyers, well, they're pretty decent themselves. Alexander Giroux, Kimo Timonen, Daniel Briere, Yamir Yager, Jacob Foracek, Maxime Talbot, JBR, Scott Hartnell. This was a team that could score on you and beat you up. All Flyers fans are getting very giddy hearing these names. But not only was the game itself fun, but the alumni game damn near stole the show. You had a Legion of Doom reunion for the Philadelphia Flyers with with Eric Lindros and John LeClaire back on the ice. Hell, Bernie Pierron in his 70s made a save in an alumni game. God bless you, Bernie Pierron. You saw the 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 uh, 94 Rangers reunite. Mark Messier was out there. Mike Ritchie was out there. Even Wayne Gretzky the Great One showed up. Overall, lots of fun with this game. The Flyers got things started early with Brendan Shen. 
getting up early to make it one nothing, and Claude Giroux making it 2 nothing as well. All is well in Philadelphia. But Mike Rupp got two on the board to tie the game as we went into the third, and you want to talk white-knuckle hockey, these two teams were beating each other up and throwing down up and down the ice. I mean, sure, Scott Hart- Hartnell got tossed for a cross-checking, but hey, hey, there's there, there's been waste. Um Brad Richards scored late in the third to give the Rangers a 3-2 lead. And there was even a penalty shot late in the game with 20 seconds left. Ryan McDonough covering the puck in the crease. That's a penalty. And it's a penalty shot for the Flyers. Unfortunately, the King stood his ground and stopped it. It was a 36 shot by the Flyers that did not go in. And the Rangers took the day. But overall, we were all winners in this game. The atmosphere was electric, a close game between these two, a great alumni game, and a beautiful environment. Good job, Philadelphia. You should get another one of these. And the third worst Winter Classic game goes to the 2020 Winter Classic between the Nashville Predators and the Dallas Stars. Look, I know what, I know what Gary Bettman was trying to do. We wanted a Southern hockey game for the longest time. And the environment this was in was fine. Was fine. The Cotton Bowl in Dallas, good selection. On Seriously, I'm not saying it to be snarky. It was a great selection. 85,000 people showed up. Second largest attendance in, in the game's history. But the two teams that were involved were just very meh. Look, I know the two markets they wanted to get involved in this were Nashville and Dallas, two of the bigger southern southern markets. I mean, Dallas is going to show up, but the Nashville Predators, you're trying to um, get that West Tennessee market. And for me personally, it just didn't really do anything for me. Plus, the uniforms in these were absolute disasters. And I'm not saying this to be controversial or clickbaity. They were bad. I'm I, I, I'm sorry. I mean, the gang green Dallas Stars were nice, but brown pants with victory green. Really, Dallas? Really? Just go all gang green and call it a day. Nashville's wasn't much better. They looked like college jerseys. The white jerseys with the gold chest stripe that didn't even go the whole way around. And Nashville Predators in Dixieland font which you can't even read because they're so small, it's an outdoor game. Oy. Again, the game itself was was fine. The, the location itself, I mean, was fine, but the game itself was just very... <laughs> I mean, throw in that Corey Perry got tossed and took the long walk of shame after he tried to take the head off of Ryan Ellis. The... Predators got a five-minute no-release power play, which they were able to score twice on Matt Duchesne and Dante Fabio to make it 2-0 Nashville, and it seemed like it was going to be their day. But nope, the Stars would rip off four unanswered goals as Jason Dickinson, two goals from John Klingberg, and Radek Fasca would make it 4-2 Dallas, and this pretty much led to Peter Laviolette being fired after this. I mean, literally, he was fired a few weeks later by Nashville. I mean, this game... It, it, you kind of get the feeling that at this point, the Winter Classic needs a serious jump in the arm. 
and I'm sure the NHL thought that taking it to Dallas was going to be that shot in the arm, but it's still pretty low-ranked in terms of ratings and a game that just was just very meh. And knowing what we know now, it was the last major NHL event for quite some time. None of us knew what was going to happen just about six weeks later. None of us knew. All right, let's go on to something else before I get even more depressed. Moving on, third best Winter Classic goes to the 2008 Winter Classic between the Pittsburgh Penguins and Buffalo Sabres. You never forget your first time, and God blessed this event. I mean, sure, technically, this is the NHL's second outdoor regular season game, if you want to count the 2003 Heritage Classic that was held in Edmonton, but this is my stupid list, and it doesn't count. The Heritage Classic, that's a completely different list for a different day. You want to know how far back this goes? This event was sponsored by Amp Energy. (laughs) Amp Energy. If you know, you know. This game was played in a freaking blizzard. A freaking blizzard. God blessed this game with snow. He would do it again, and we will get to that later. But this... This game had a lot of importance. The first outdoor game game for the NHL NHL in this new experiment. The ice was iced crap because they had to repair the ice several times. The conditions weren't helping. And allegedly, Ryan Miller created little snow piles on the goal crease to prevent the puck from rolling in. I mean, hey, it's not illegal. Like betting zero on the price is right. It isn't. But the game itself was truly the essence of hockey, being played outdoors in freezing cold temperatures. And if beer is the breakfast of champions, as Scott Burnside wrote in his hockey blog, there was a lot of champions in that stadium. The game itself was just more of a spectacle to see as Colby Armstrong got the Penguins up very, very early, 21 seconds in. And early in the second, the Sabres answered with Brian Campbell? Who? Brian Campbell. Who? I have no idea who that is. There wouldn't be a lot of scoring in this game, even though two teams would trade lopsided shot attempts in the second and third, but the game came down to the shootout, and you could really feel that the game just just had that energy to it, that people were sitting and watching for it to happen. Elias Kotak got one for Buffalo, and Pittsburgh got one by Chris Letang. Maxime Finnegetoff, hero of the 2007 playoffs, I believe, couldn't get it in. And then out came Sidney Crosby, who stared down Ryan Miller. And as if fate had written it himself or herself or itself, scored to end the shootout and work his way into one of many NHL on NBC montages for the rest of his life. I mean, yeah, sure. The Pittsburgh Penguins' hate wasn't as strong as it is now, and it was more about the spectacle for this game. It was more about the event. It was everybody that was there. This was the start of a new tradition, a start of a new thing here for the NHL, and it freaking worked. I mean, it did. We had 11 more of these things and a bunch of stadium series games, but that is another show. So third best goes to the Winter Classic, and we're at the halfway point ourselves. Going to take a short break. We'll be right back. 
Hi. In case you're not from Brazil, where we are now very famous, allow us to introduce ourselves. We're Cam. All Canada division that is Canada. <laughs> the all Canada. Chris. You trade those John two guys Scott. for a clone machine, and you clone Trent Frederick, and you have a whole fourth line of Trent Fredericks. And Drew. Didn't they? Didn't he drop a? Sh not not like actually take a, sh but the guy said. Sh Our podcast kind of. Uh, definitely started out as a joke and we've decided to keep it that way but that's why we surround ourselves with smart people who really know what they're talking about game and a half that she played she looked so dominant and just such a good a good spot on this team and uh, he'll take off in terms of being more active in the oak zone and, and you know be more active in the transition game because there is so much involved with technical development and physical development and injuries that can really impact it so so tune in the Bruins and Bruins, 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 Bruins podcast, the hockey podcast network podcast, presented by Bruins Diehard. And we're back here on the Grit and Barrett podcast as we are counting down the top four best and top four worst winter classics of the past decade and a half. So thank you to all of you who've listened so far. For your times, listens, and downloads, let's keep this gravy boat rolling as we go into the second worst winter classic of all time. Not a lot of people are going to like this, but that's what happens on the countdowns. The 2019 winter classic between the Boston Bruins and the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, okay, I'm sure people aren't going to like me putting this one on here, but you could tell the event was really starting to jump the shark at this point. And I love the venue. I really do. It's Notre Dame. It's God's country. And, you know, yeah, both of them going out the fight tunnel to the music. Sorry. Got carried away. But anyway, it was more about the two teams that were in it, Boston and Chicago. This was Boston's first as a visiting team, making it their third Winter Classic. This was the Blackhawks' fourth Winter Classic that they were a part of. Fourth! And third as a visiting team. We've seen these two teams before. We, we've we seen it. And you know, it was just... Unless you were a hardcore Blackhawks or Bruins fan, you had no real interest to turn into this game. I mean, even the alumni... With the Blackhawks and the Bruins. We've seen this before. We've seen it. Hey, no, I'm I'm sorry. And when you have a pregame performance by Weezer doing a, th a three storm three song concert during first intermission. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Longtime Blackhawks theme singer John Corneliuson doing the anthem with the South Bend Symphony Orchestra. That's fun. Puck drop being done by Notre Dame legend Tim Brown. That's a good thing. But after that, it's all really downhill from there. I mean, sure, Bruins alumni, Cam Neely, Johnny Boy, Johnny Boy Cuck, Boy Chuck. It's not Johnny Boy Chuck, but B-U-C-Y-K. And Ray Bork were there. And for the Blackhawks, Dennis Savard, the late Tony Esposito, Jill Mikita, and Bobby Hall. We've seen these guys before. When Boston hosted, when Chicago hosted at Wrigley Field, you're doing the same thing over again, just in a different venue. 
Sorry. This is like seeing the third iteration of Kiss. It's not the original members. No matter what face paint you put on them, it, it's the same thing. It's rehydrated leftovers is all that, that it is. And the uniforms themselves, ugh. Those Bruins, black, white, and brown, and gold candy canes with the giant B on the front, ugh. Now, the, the, the Blackhawks were, they were fine. The Blackhawks uniforms were fine. The black outline going all the way back to the 1900s. But once the game got started, these were two teams. Bruins, yeah, they were good. But you could tell the shine was coming off of the Bruins' golden B. And the Blackhawks were starting to enter rebuilding mode with them kicking and screaming. Chicago got the scoring started early with Brandon Pirellini at 8.5. David Posternock because of course it is the Bruins, would make it 1-1. Dominic Calhoun, future Pittsburgh Penguin, would make it 2-1. Boston would tie it with Patrice Bergeron on a power play goal because, again, this is Boston we're talking about. Sean Coralay would get would break the ice in the third at the 10.5-minute mark to make it 3-2. And then Brad Marchand, because, lol, it's Boston, even the same guys who usually score for the frickin' Bruins do this in the in the Winter Classic. Again, boring, stale product we've seen over and over and over again. And I'm sure some of you are listening to this going, you're making it too big of a deal, man. It was still a great atmosphere. Yes, it was a great atmosphere. But the game itself was dull and boring. And if it wasn't for it being played at Notre Dame, I wouldn't even have watched the game at all. There are probably a lot of people who didn't watch this game because they were tired of seeing these teams. And I know I'm contradicting myself because of the previous worst winter classic. They tried two completely new teams that still didn't work. I really hope when they go to Minnesota this year that it, that it can give the shot in the arm that we need. Let's go to a happier place. Let's go to number two. And the second best winter classic goes to... Uh, you know, I really wanted to put the number one here just to be contrary, but I can't. Number two, the 2010 Winter Classic in Boston. I love this game. I absolutely love it because if you want to capture the essence of a winter game, an inner city winter pickup hockey game in the city, Boston on New Year's Day was great and a great choice for it. Freezing cold in Boston. Boston wearing those old-time gold and brown jerseys while the Flyers wore their retros that became so popular, they ended up wearing them full-time. A freezing cold day there in Boston at Fenway Park that made it even more better. Every seat was filled there at Fenway Park, including the Green Monster green seats as well. The Dropkick Murphys played a pregame song of shipping up to Boston because, of course, they would. Both national anthems were played as well, and just an overall great atmosphere there at Fenway Park. And a really nice little touch is that they, the, the corner old-time standings board, which typically has the American League East, they changed it to reflect the Northeast Division in the NHL. 
God, I love it when teams do little things like that. I love it. The game itself was pretty damn fun. It really was. It had a lot of firsts in it. It had the first fight in Winter Classic history between Sean Thornton and Dan Crisillo. That's a good thing. It was a really tight, low-scoring game as Dan Danny Savret got the Flyers on the board and then Mark Rickey got on the board as well for the Boston Bruins to tie it up and we prayed that we would go to overtime and to overtime we did. First overtime, first OT winner, and first home team actually winning a Stanley Cup. I mean, not winning a Stanley Cup, but winning a Winter Classic. But you know what I mean. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Marco Strum scoring the game-winning goal. Just a nice tip from a pass from Patrice Bergeron. Got it. Got it past Michael Leitonen. And yes, this was the 2010 Boston Bruins. So Tim Thomas was in net. Both teams were pretty darn good for the time. The Flyers there. You know, had JVR, Chris Pronger, Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, Dan Casillo, Sumamo, Gagne, Danny Savret, Danny Briere, Michael Layton, and Aaron Asham. Boy, this team could really beat the tar out of you. And the Bruins weren't necessarily that bad themselves. Chara, when he had two good working knees. Patrice Bergeron, a rookie goaltender named Tuka Rask, whatever became of him. David Krejci, Johnny Boychuk, Byron Blitz, Michael Ryder. Mark Savard, Blake Wheeler, Andrew Ferentz, Sean Thornton, Dennis Weidman. Both these teams had had firepower and fists, and it showed. It was a true rivalry winner classic of two teams that beat the tar out of each other, figuratively and literally, at an iconic venue, venue on a cold winter's day. Boston, mwah, lots of firsts in this game. The first OT, the first OT winner. The first fight, it should be number one because, in my opinion, this is hockey at its purest, at least inner city hockey at its purest. But it just ran into a buzzsaw at number one. But before we get to the best, we have to take a look at the worst. And I know what the worst winter classic is. Not all of you are going to agree, but it is the 2016 winter classic between the Boston Bruins and the Montreal Canadiens. Oh. My. God. This is the first winter classic. I just. I just didn't watch. I straight up didn't watch. I, I didn't watch this game. I watched Ohio State and Oklahoma play that day. I mean, I had no interest in watching the Montreal Canadiens take on the Boston Bruins. Uniform-wise, it was extremely mad this game should have been great usa versus canada boston and montreal hate each other boston and montreal just would have wanted to beat the tar out of each other montreal actually whipped out uh different jerseys for this game going all the way back to like i think ones they wore in like the 1910s going way back and boston's winter classic uniforms meh meh how wildly mediocre that. And the Bruins team, this was a far cry from the, from the 2010s one. Jimmy Hayes, Maxime Talbot, Sedano Chara, Bergeron, Bolesky, Seidenberg, Joe Morrow, Frank Viterio, Alexander Kulikev, Seth Griffith. No wonder this team got pushed around. And for the Canadiens, well, you had their lord and savior, Carey Price, there. Actually... 
checks notes. They didn't. They had Mike Condon and Ben Scrivens? Like, this can't be right. Checks roster, checks roster, checks roster. And there was no Carey Price, and Boston still lost? You lost to the likes of Brandon Gallagher, Tomas Fleischman, Tomas Paklanik, Max Pacioretty? Okay, let's just go into this. Let's just go into this. Uh, Montreal got on the board very, very early. In fact, scoring the game's first four goals. David David Dijarnais, Paul Byron, Brendan Gallagher all got on the board to make it 3-0. Matt Bolesky made it respectable at a little into the third at 3.54 to make it 3-1, but then Max Pacioretty answered right back, and then Paul Byron made it 5-1 and made this an absolute laugher. Yes, these two teams played over 700 times, and this was not one of the the, the better ones. I mean, Montreal really outshot Boston in the first period, 14-3, and it actually showed on the scoreboard. I mean, this, this game is just, it, it's a laugher. It's an absolute laugher, and between two teams that you'd expect better from, just lay an absolute turd there in Foxborough. Oh, yeah, this was played in Foxborough. It wasn't played in Boston. It was played in Foxborough, Massachusetts, and it sucked. And I'm glad that they haven't gone back to this venue. And I don't think Boston hasn't had a Winter Classic since. I know they don't like to repeat venues, at least for Winter Classics. But, hey, at uh, at least there was an outdoor women's classic between the Boston Pride and Les Canadiens of the Canadian Women's Hockey Division. They played to a tie. That's a good thing, I think. Anyway, anyway, the worst Winter Classic. One that nobody really speaks of and probably was the beginning of, I don't want to say the end, but the beginning of a stretch of mediocre to bleh Winter Classics. The 2016 Winter Classic. But let's let's end this on a happy note. Number one. You should all know who the number one Winter Classic of all time is. I shouldn't have to say this to anyone, but I think all of you know the answer. Say it with me, everyone. The 2014 Winter Classic between the Detroit Red Wings and the Toronto Maple Leafs. The big game at the Big Hoose with 105,000 fans there packed into Ann Arbor, Michigan. The Big Chill at the Big House is what they called it when this was originally scheduled to happen in 2013, but haha, <laughs> lockout. And this got pushed to later on in the year. And to late to the next year, and we ended up ha- having this game. But oh boy, did God bless us with another, another snow globe game. Hell, and a freaking blizzard. This was one of those storms that started out in Canada, dipped low, and clobbered the the Great Lakes states. And a couple days later, would hit hu- hit us here in Pennsylvania. But oh my God, this was fun to watch. People didn't care. There was red and blue everywhere all throughout Ann Arbor, Michigan. Fans still went to this game. Snowstorm began, and allegedly there was a four-car pileup somewhere in Detroit of people trying to get to this game. They drove through a blizzard to get to this game. Jim Cantore was there providing all the winter action as well, but who cares? 
We had a hockey game to play. Daniel Alfredson, yes, King Alfie, got the scoring started in 13-14 in the second period to make it 1-0. JVR in Toronto, I made a lot of Flyers fans cry, but yeah, remember that, Toronto? You had JVR for a few years. We get on the board and assisted by, oh, Phil Kessel. Fancy that. Tyler Bozak would put Toronto back in the league, but Justin Abdelkader would tie the game at two late in the third. We would go to overtime, which was fun, but we would have no no clear-cut winner, so we would go to a shootout. Your goaltenders this day, Jonathan Bernier and Jimmy Howard. Woof. Alfredson and JBR each had nothing. Detroit got one with Pavel Datsuk because, of course... Joffrey Luprel would put Toronto on the board, and in the third and final round, Tyler Bozak for Toronto would end it to make it 2-1 Toronto. And the crowd went wild because they didn't care. They were drunk in the middle of a blizzard. It's the Winter Classic. Who cares? We were there in a blizzard. This was a lot of fun, this game. There were shots aplenty in this, and both teams, Detroit was... Yeah, it was the dying days of the Russian dynasty and Mr. I trying to do everything to keep this team relevant. They had Hedrick Zetterberg, Brendan Smith, Tomas Tatar, Brian Lashoff, Nikolai Cromwell, Pavel Datsuk, Luke Clendenning, and of course, King Alfie himself, Daniel Alfredson. But the Toronto Maple Leafs, they were still trying to be the best team that money could buy. They had David Clarkson, <laughs> Cody Franzen, Tyler Bozak, Carl Gunnison. Phil Kessel, Jeffrey Luprel, Colin Orr, Dion Panith, JVR, Morgan Riley, and others. I mean, yeah, it wasn't the best time for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it'd be a couple years before they'd get the young guns into the lineup, but it wasn't about that. It was about two rivals in beautiful red and blue jerseys and fans coming together from both U.S. and Canada and packing probably 106,000 into the big house. There is no outdoor arena in the U.S. that is going to pass that. Unless we can make Jared World an outdoor stadium. Unless we take this to the Rose Bowl. And I, I highly doubt that. But this, my friends, it is the best winter classic. And I want to say otherwise. I wanted to put Boston at number one. But I think this is the right call. This is the right answer. Your number one best winter classic is the 2014 winter classic but you know what everyone i want to hear what you think you know if you're listening to this you know go to the grits and barrett on twitter at grit and barrett p1 and below the download link let me know what you thought what was your favorite winter classic what do you think was the worst winter classic please let me know because in january we will get another one there in minnesota thank you to everyone for your times, listens, and downloads as we were thinking cool in this late summer edition of the Grit and Barrett podcast. We'll get back talking Hershey Bears soon enough, ladies and gentlemen. But get out there and enjoy your summer, and I'll catch you next time. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Grit and Barrett podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are currently listening to. If you are listening on Apple or Google, please leave us a five-star review as it appeases our algorithm overlords. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out the Hockey Podcast Network 
where there is a podcast for each and every NHL team. We also cover the American Hockey League. They have a podcast about college hockey and all the ins and outs of the hockey world. If you wish to know more about our parent club, please check out the official Caps Chirps podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network as they cover all things Washington Capitals. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Grit and Barrett P1 on Twitter. That's at Grit and Barrett P1 on Twitter. This podcast is dedicated to the memory of Patricia Blosser, who passed away on December 5th, 2020 to dementia and COVID. The show is also dedicated to all of the Hershey Bears friends, fans, and family who lost their lives to cancer. Cancer sucks. Thank you once again for listening to the Grit and Barrett podcast, and go Bears. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa. With over 50 years of sports betting experience, Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.